Hey, Praise Chapel, this is Pastor Vladimir. I am super excited for this week's message. It will be called Pursuit of Purity, where I shared an amplified conference to the young generation of how God wants us to pursue purity. By pursuing His presence, we pursue purity. And when we pursue purity, we remain in His presence. So go ahead, listen to this message. Make sure you don't forget to leave a review and check out Praise Chapel on social media. Young person used to have in their life. It's the presence of God. It's the purpose of God. It's the purity. And it's to walk in the power. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And so if you have your Bible, I'm going to go ahead. I, I love, how, many, how many of you love your Bible? Yes. Yeah, so let's open our phones. <laughs> I wanted to say open your Bible. Open your phone to YouVersion Bible app and then or any other Bible app that you're using. And I'm going to read 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20. And it's the last verses that I sent during the service. Sorry, my message changed during worship slightly. And so 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse uh, 20. And if you are there, I want you to say, I am there. And if you're getting there, say, my reception is slow. I'm just going to watch the screen. <laughs> All right. I want us to read together. How many of you can see the screen from the back? Everybody see? Okay. So I want us to read together an account of three. One two, three. Would you be kind to give us New King James if you have that? I feel like you don't have it? Okay, budget cuts. <laughs> it's completely fine. <laughs> it doesn't come custom. <laughs> and so, uh, so in, in Paul writes to Timothy, he's writing to a young person like yourself. He's writing to uh, a young man and he says, in a great house there are vessels not only of gold and silver. Somebody say gold and silver. But he says also of wood and clay. Somebody say wood and clay. He says, so in a great house, so meaning in the kingdom of God, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. And then he says, some for honor and some for dishonor. Somebody say honor. Somebody say dishonor. So he says, some for honor and some for dishonor. And then he says, therefore, if anybody cleanses himself from, from the filth or impurities, he will become useful and he will become someone that the master will use and he will be sanctified and also prepared for every good work. And so I want to share with you about the pursuit of purity, which we're going to touch in just a moment in verse 22. But before we go to verse 22, I want to break down verse 20 and verse 21 since it relates to us as young people. In a great house there are vessels not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. I believe in God's house as in this ministry, in the ministries you come from, there are different types of vessels. What is a vessel? A vessel is a container for something that you put inside that you would consume or eat. A vessel, a container is, is like a pizza box. Nobody buys pizza boxes. You buy pizza, but pizzas don't come without pizza box. 
and you don't complain about the color of pizza box you don't return pizza because you didn't like the pizza box you quickly open the pizza box because it's what's inside for which reason you ordered the whole thing in the first place and see the problem that happens with us as young people is this is we are so obsessed with our container meaning how we look on the outside we are so busy comparing my golden vessels or uh, clay vessel with someone else's golden vessel which is only the container on the outside young people take their own life because they don't like the material that their container is made of my generation will do crazy stuff only because they missed the point pizza box is not about pizza box it's not about looking better than other pizza box it's about having better pizza inside of the pizza box your container is not important the content is pizza box is not the point the pizza inside is what am I what are you trying to say Vlad what I'm trying to say is this your body is that vessel your spirit is the content your body is the pizza box your spirit is the pizza when I was born my mom had a very difficult birth and because of the difficulty in the birth the doctors um, they did a mistake and they damaged my optical nerve I spent first few years in the hospital they said if I ever recovered that um, I will be handicapped but then after two years everything sorted out everything was fine but when I was about five years of age they started to notice that one of my eyes did not look like the other one now when you're five everything is cute like you see you see these fat kids that are five like there are rolls hanging and you're going like oh my god this is so cute let me touch that when you're 15 and you got that what are their parents feeding them obesity in America but there's no obesity for five-year-olds so when I was five everything was fine because you're five you're cute until I turned 10 till I turned 11 and the things that were considered cute in a playground when you were five become something that people give you labels because of I was called with names in school uh, they didn't call me by my first name they called me by my name that had to do with my eyes I developed extreme chronic insecurities because of my physical appearance it got so bad that when we moved to the United States I was 13 years of age I spoke no English I went to freshman high school I was so ashamed of myself and so scared of talking to other people I had almost no friends I had a very difficult connecting have a difficult time connecting I was in a new environment the language I did not understand it got so bad that I remember skipping a keyboarding class because I was so scared of standing in front of a group of 25 students to do a 60 second presentation I was so shy I was so chronically insecure and then in church things were worse because in church I tried to be plugged in into music 
I wasn't good at. I tried to be behind a soundboard that kicked me out. They said, elephant stepped on your ear. I was like, I've never been around an elephant. They said, he stepped on your ear. I couldn't preach because my English wasn't good. My Russian wasn't good because I'm originally from Ukraine. And so everything I tried, it didn't work out. And then I tried to improve my physical appearance thinking that if I improve my container, I will be accepted. Because see, the world I live in, everybody judges you based on the kind of material your cup is made of. But Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, God does not make every vessel the same. Some he makes gold, some he makes silver, some he makes wood, and some he makes clay. There are short people, there are tall people, there are white people, there are brown people, there are fat people, there are skinny people, there are smart people, there are uh, wannabe smart people. There are all kinds of people. There are people who have musical inclinations and there are people who are fitness people. There are different kind of gifts and so my thing was I wanted to be... <laughs> I just wanted to be something different than I was. In fact, I, I prayed for God to change my eyes only so that I could not be a vessel of clay. I just wanted to be at least a vessel of bronze, silver. I mean, perhaps a vessel of metal, just not the clay because I hated my container. I had two eye surgeries, one in the Ukraine, one in the United States. Both of the eye surgeries were not to fix my vision. I have a perfect vision. Out of four siblings and both parents, I'm the only one without glasses. I can see stuff that I shouldn't see. <laughs> I can see really, really good. I notice things, I, I see stuff. So I didn't have eye surgery to fix my vision. I had eye surgery to fix my container. I wanted to fix this wooden clay because I felt like if I could only get this clay to become something different, I would become useful. I, my life will have a meaning. I will not be an accident on this earth. And none of that fixed anything. None of that fixed anything until God started to shift my perspective at the age of 16. And God started to shift my perspective and he said, can you stop? complaining about the fact that you're a wood of clay? Can you stop complaining about the fact that your body is not what you like it? Because I made your body out of dirt. Your spirit came out of me. That's why the Bible made you and I out of dirt. If you draw your identity from your body, you will always feel dirty. If you draw your identity from your body, you will always feel not enough. I don't care if your body is like a Coca-Cola. I don't care if your biceps, triceps, you will not be enough. Because all it takes is someone else come next room and stand to you and you will right away feel inferior. All it takes is somebody else to be a little bit better than you and you will feel insecure. See, God made my body out of the dirt, but he made my spirit, he made my content, my inside, not out of the dirt. In fact, 10 times in book of Genesis, the Bible says God made things according to their kind. Somebody say, according to their kind. Come on, somebody say, according to their kind. God made everything according to their kind. When it came to you and I, he made you and I according to his kind. According to his image and his likeness. I carry his image and I carry his likeness, so do you. 
That's why when the Pharisees came to Jesus, when people came to Jesus and said, Jesus, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus says, can you show me the coin? They showed him the coin and he said this. He said, whose image is this on the coin? They said, the image is of the Caesar. And what did Jesus say? He says, whoever's image is on this coin, that's who the coin belongs to. See, when I look at you, I see the image of God. That's why you belong to God. That's why you belong to Jesus. That's why you don't belong to drugs. That's why you don't belong to depression. That's why you don't belong to insecurity. That's why you don't belong to inferiority. That's why you don't belong to what people said about you. That's why the labels of people are not going to define your future. Because you carry an image of God. Come on somebody. Can you, can you give me a little bit more juice of right here? Whew. And so what happened in my case is the Lord started to shift my perspective and he started to focus my attention not on trying to change my content excuse me not on trying to change my my container to something different or someone that I looked up to but to focus on make sure that my container that that vessel that I have whatever I have make sure that it's filled with the right content and Today I still have the same body guys, exactly the same one. Still same, same eyes, skin, I mean I, I look a lot more handsome than I was before. <laughs> it's the beard, silent wisdom. Um, yeah, I, I, I work out, yeah, I, I try to eat healthy. I try to take care of my body, yeah, I did straighten my teeth uh, two years ago. Uh, but that's all uh, very small little polishing on the, on the vessel. Uh, the, the, the container still has the same material. Uh, the reason why God is using me today is not because I have a better body than the one that I was born with. It's because I shifted my perspective from trying to change my container to just trying to live with a different content on the inside. And the world will drink from a cup that's not golden. The world will drink from a cup that's not made out of diamonds. As long as it, it's filled with something worthy of receiving from. Today there are thousands of people that are subscribed to and watch my messages but it's not my message. I'm, I'm a simple guy who have for a short period of my teenage years was convinced that God made a mistake when he made me, who was convinced I'll never get married, who was convinced I was a mistake and a worthless on this earth because of the way I looked in the mirror and God shifted my perspective and he said stop looking at the mirror in the bathroom. He said open my book, open my word and look in that mirror and you will see who you are. So I just want to challenge somebody in this room right now. Apostle Paul says, in a great house there are many vessels, some of gold, some of silver. Those are the athletes. Those are the, uh, the homecoming queens. Those are the people who can sing and lead worship. Those are the people who it's naturally for them to, to look great. It's naturally for them to speak. They always get the scholarships. They always get like they're the people that everybody's like, man, I, I, I want to be like that. And then there's wood and clay. There's you and me. The, the average people on the outside. But see, most of us say, but if, if God could, well, why, why didn't God? And God's like, listen, fool, stop it. Stop it. Oh, but I step on the weight scale. You know your weight doesn't determine your worth. You know that your wealth doesn't determine your worth. God's like, you're just a wooden cup. People will still drink from you. 
you will still impact the government. You will still impact the sports industry. Why? Because if you are full and if you are pure, I will use you. I don't have to give you a Beyonce body for you to be used by God. You don't have to have the body and the gifts of someone else to be useful for the master. That means that your calling is discovered. My friends, the kind of con uh, container, you don't choose that. And some of you here today, you don't like your nose. You don't like your ears. You don't like the way your eyes are positioned. You're looking in your body and you're just like, man, why did God make me like this? Why was I not born in a different culture? Why was I not born like a, a, a man instead of a woman? Why? And, and you don't like that and you want to change that. Can, can I tell you something right now? Stop that. Please. Your life. So what if you're going to have diamonds on the pizza box, but it has no pizza inside? So what? I'll rather have a crappy box but a good pizza and have an amazing box that's empty on the inside. And that's what Paul is telling us here. He says, honestly, whether you're wood, clay, gold or silver, he says, that doesn't matter. You don't change that. You don't decide that. You only discover that. What you do decide is what your cup is going to be filled with. What you do decide how clean it's going to be on the inside. Not what kind of material is made on the outside. Yes, you don't decide how skin is stretched over your skeleton. But you do decide what's inside of this. You do decide what your life is going to be filled with. You do decide the purity. You do decide the passion. And God says, I will use you even if you're a wooden vessel. I will use you even if you're a vessel of clay. Because you can become a vessel of wood but that, that stuff, what really I decide is to become a vessel for honor. Yes, I don't have a perfect body, but I have a passionate spirit. Yes, I did not choose my history. I didn't choose the fact that I was born in a family where maybe my parents were divorced and maybe I was taken advantage of. I did not choose that, but I can decide. To become a vessel for honor, vessel for worship, vessel for scripture reading, vessel for fasting, vessel for purity, vessel for holiness, vessel for consecration, vessel for righteousness, vessel for witnessing, vessel that is virgin, vessel that serves God. That my friend, I decide. I cannot decide the size of my ears, the size of my eyes, the size of my nose. But I can decide the size of my consecration. And God says, I will take a wooden vessel that is a vessel for honor and use it. I will ignore the vessel of gold that's empty. God in this generation is not looking for golden vessels. He's looking for the kind of vessel you are. He says, don't cry over the fact that you don't like the material you're made of. Begin to shed tears so that your heart is filled. That material you have is filled so that you are a walking container of the glory of God. In the government, in the educational, in college, in gym, in the coffee shop, in whatever you are headed to. That yes, you are not the perfect one according to their standard. <laughs> but I got good coffee inside. When I go to a coffee shop, I don't ask them for the nicest cup they have. 
They can give me a ceramic cup. They could give me a nicer cup. What really I judge the coffee shop is not based on the quality of the cup. It's always based on the quality of the, of the coffee. The world wants to taste the God in you. You're too busy trying to switch up the ceramic cups. And God is looking at you. He says, snap out. He says, don't worry about whether you're a vessel of gold or silver. Make sure you're a vessel of honor because the world is waiting to drink from you. From you. And the world is not going to trip up over the things you're tripping up about and complaining about and say, God, you need to change this. And God says, no, you need to change your focus. Because I don't make everybody vessel of gold, but you can decide to be a vessel for honor. Or you can decide to be a vessel that constantly wants to change the outside instead of being filled on the inside. Can somebody say amen? And the Lord slowly started to transform my life. I started to recognize that I don't need another surgery. I don't need to change myself on the outside. I just need to start becoming a vessel for honor. Yeah, one eye looks smaller than the other one. But you know what? With both of these eyes closed before God, I'm going to become a vessel of honor. I'm going to be a person that fasts. I'm going to be a person that prays. I'm going to be a person that will devour this book. I'm going to be a person that will walk in purity. I'm going to be a person that God will honor. Yes, my English is like a third language. Not considering tongues, because then becomes a fourth. And so... But at the same time, you know what? In, in spite of all my limitations, in spite of all my weaknesses, in spite of all the things I don't have, the things that I wasn't born with, the things that were not handed over to me, in spite of all of that, I can still choose with my broken little container, be a vessel for honor. And God says, and your generation will drink from you. Not because you have the best material, but because you have the best content. You got the Holy Ghost inside because you got faith inside because you got love inside because you have the power of God inside because you have the purity inside because you have the passion inside and God says I will use you your generation will appreciate you and you will leave a mark on your generation because you refuse to try to be like a golden vessel but you decided whatever vessel God gave me I will fill it by being a vessel of honor can somebody say amen can we read that verse one more time? Well, actually, in fact, if we don't have the New King James, uh, that's fine. In the great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honor, some for dishonor. Nevertheless, if anybody cleanses themselves from the field, they will become a vessel for honor, useful for the master. and prepared for every good work. And now I want us to get to the verse that I want to share with you. What does it mean? To be purified, cleansed, so we can be used. Are you with me? Let's open to Second Timothy. This, the same, the same uh, chapter. We're just gonna go one more verse down. Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-two. It's two, 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 two. Very simple. Two, 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 two. Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-two. Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-two. And uh, on the count of three, we're gonna read together. One, two, three. Somebody say amen. So in the verse 21 and verse 20, Paul is saying there are vessels of gold, silver, wood, clay. He said, don't worry about that, but make sure you worry about you becoming 
whether your gold, silver, or clay, be a vessel for honor. And then he says how to become that vessel for honor. We need to be cleansed from all kinds of filth. We need to be cleansed from all kinds of unrighteousness. And then he says we need to, we, through that cleansing, through that purity, we are going to become useful for the master. And then he pretty much breaks it down for young people. What does it mean to be filled and to be clean and purified as a young vessel? And he breaks it down. He makes it very, very simple. For young people, he makes it very simple. He says that flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness with those. And so I'm just going to draw three simple practical steps of how to pursue purity as a young person. Instead of pursuing being someone that you're not, that you pursue being pure. First one, I want you to, if you're taking notes, note takers or history makers, purity is not a point you cross. It's an ongoing pursuit after God. Watch this. He said that pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the name of the Lord. Purity is not a point I reach. It's a path of constant pursuit. Purity, that's why it says in here, out of a pure heart. Uh, purity is not something physical. That's why the Bible says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can dwell in this holy mountain? He who has clean hands, somebody say clean hands, and this is pure hearts. Watch this. It does not say he who has pure hands. Hands is what you can see. Heart is what you cannot see. Purity is not something physical. Vis visible. It's something that is inside. Purity is a heart issue. That's why in Matthew chapter 5 it says the blessed are the pure in what? Not pure in the hands but pure in the heart they will see God. And then we also see all throughout the Bible is that God connects purity to the heart. That's why I believe that you can be a virgin and not be pure. You can be physically a virgin, mentally and emotionally, be as impure as devil himself. Why? Because purity is not virginity. Purity is what happens on the inside of you. It will manifest in virginity. Virginity is cleanness of hands. Purity is a heart issue. You can hold yourself from having intercourse with somebody and live polluted on the inside with lust, with insecurity, and with all kinds of junk and never have sex with somebody and never be pure at the same time. I know that myself because I was exposed to pornography even when I was in the Ukraine. I never had sex with anybody except my wife on the wedding night. But I can tell you one thing that as a teenager I did not live pure. I bragged about the fact that I had the holy V. Not Vlad, virginity. <laughs> How is your V doing? Oh I lost it. <laughs> I got mine. I bragged about the fact that I'm a virgin, but the only place I was a virgin is in my body. Everywhere else, there was no purity. Because purity is a heart issue. Purity is not a body issue. It starts with the heart. And some of us are so good at keeping the physical purity that we completely violate the spiritual one, the inward one. That's why in the Old Testament and book of Exodus, God spoke to Aaron and he says, when Aaron, when your sons come into my presence, I want them to wear trousers. When I was younger and I read the English Bible, trousers, I was like, oh, Holy Ghost, my God, something deep and spiritual. 
Then I picked up a simple translation. It didn't say trousers. It said underwears. I said, Ew, disgusting. <laughs> boxers. God is talking about boxers in the in book of Exodus. And I was like, why would God bother that priests wore undies to his presence? In fact, God was so specific. He says, if they come without underwear in his presence, he kills them. It's like, what is an underwear? It's what you wear under what you wear. What is an underwear? It's something you cannot see right now. You can't. What you do see is the garment of praise. What you do see is my lifting of holy hands. Underwear is something that average Joe cannot see. Because it's what I wear under what you see. And God was telling to the priest is that your purity matters to me in my presence more than the outward expression of your worship. And if you don't have that purity, you cannot dwell in my presence permanently. See, I have a generation that is more concerned today. Make sure that we put on things that people can see. But what's under these jeans? Oh, God have mercy. God forbid somebody opens my browsing history. God forbid they find out my secret TikTok account. God forbid they find out my secret Instagram, the second one. Not the one that everybody knows about where I post Bible verses every day, but the other one. God forbid, why? Because the stuff I carry under, oh Jesus, that's purity. And the fact that you walk with the V, that's good, that's awesome. But God is asking, what's under all of that? Because that, my friend, you as a priest, God is looking at when you're standing in worship. That's why when you're worshiping, you're noticing people see your lifted hands. But how many of you know the first thing that surfaces in your mind is what you did, what you thought, where you looked at, what your hands touched, who else touched it. All of that quickly surfaces. Why? Because you become aware you're naked in God's presence. That's why all of that comes out and God's presence makes you aware of the fact that you are naked. And God says, put some underwear on, meaning I want purity in the heart. Not just the genes in the church. Come on, somebody. And so how do we achieve that? How do we get to that? Paul makes it very simple for us. And he says this. He says, if, if, would you be kind to put on the, the verse again? He says that pursue. If, if you, have, you have the first point there, if you can give us that first point. The first point, and, and I'm share with you, sharing with you, is this. Purity is not virginity. Virginity is until marriage, but purity is for life. You will lose your virginity at wedding day, hopefully. You don't lose your purity after marriage. In fact, you need to be pure all your life. You're not going to be a virgin all your life. You're going to be pure all your life. And so we see that purity is the issue of the heart. Being pure is to be without mixture. And so how do we achieve that purity? Point number one is that you, the purity is not a point I, I cross. It's the pursuit. It's not a point across. When you're addicted to pornography, in your mind, purity is I no longer watch porn. That's when I'm pure. It's not a point you reach. Even when you stop, God delivers you from pornography. And if you stop pursuing God, 
you're no longer pure. Even if you don't watch porn. Even if you no longer do that thing that you right now are doing and say, God, deliver me, deliver me. And once you deliver me, then I'll be pure. God says, no, no, no. Purity is not a destination. It's a path. It never ends. It's a constant pursuit after God. The freedom from particular bondages and chains is like cities. For example, let's say you're driving from here all the way to Seattle. You're going to pass through Sacramento. You're going to pass through Reading. You're going to pass through different Portland, Vancouver. You're going to pass through that. But how many of you know that that's not the arrival? You're just passing through that. The freedom from those things is something you're passing through. But purity is a path you are on in a pursuit after Jesus. It, it broke my mindset when, when, when I started to recognize this. The purity is not being free from pornography. Purity involves that, but purity is a constant pursuit after Jesus even after I'm free from pornography. If I stop pursuing God passionately as I was pursuing Him when I was in bondage to particular sin or particular habit, I become complacent, I become passive. The next thing that begins to happen, I find myself in other sins that are as dangerous as the ones I was delivered from. Because purity is a pursuit. It's not a point. If you're struggling with homosexual tendencies today and you're saying, God, I want you to deliver me from that. And you're praying, you're seeking God, you're, you're right now, you're even fasting. God will deliver you from that. If you stop praying and fasting and be as hungry for God as you were for that freedom, you find yourself in another problem. Because the only thing that this appetite you developed for God out of desperation must be maintained even after you reach the point of that freedom because purity must move beyond the point of your freedom. It's a path. It does not stop after I get free. And the problem happens with us as young people is once we get free, we say things like, well, praise God. And instead of pursuing after Jesus, we park our Christianity in the garage of our convictions. We say, well, I'm free now. <laughs> I don't smoke. I don't hang out with those who do. I don't sleep around. I don't watch porn anymore. I don't, I don't do anything bad. Do you do anything good? The greatest hindrance to a purity life is a passive Christianity. Passive Christianity is the greatest hindrance to your purity. At first, when you have bondage, you may say, oh, this is so horrible because I'm struggling with the sin. Actually, you're probably in the best place in your passion with God because you're desperate. It's when God delivers you, you lose your desperation, you lose your passion. And then you park your walk with God in the garage instead of keep pursuing Him. And sometimes I feel like God wants to keep throwing us problems because for some of us that is the only time we pursue Him. Purity is a pursuit, my friend. It is not a point you reach. Some of you, you reach the point where you no longer struggle with that sexual sin. But the passion you had to reach that freedom died down. I want to encourage you right now. You are no longer bound by that sin, but you are not pure. Because you're not pure if you're not in pursuit. You're only pure when you're pursuing. If you stop pursuing God, you lost your purity. Even if you did not lose, lose your virginity. Even if you are not involved in anything sexually compromising, you are not pure if you're not in pursuit. Because purity is pursuit. I stop pursuing, I lose purity. 
I might not get into trouble. I might not create a scandalous sin. I might not be looking at ungodly things. I might not be touching ungodly things. I might not be reading ungodly things. But in God's eyes, when I am not moving forward toward Him, I am not walking in that purity of heart. Even if I have clean hands. Can somebody say amen? The second thing that I want us to bring up to our attention today is purity is not a point you cross. Purity is ongoing pursuit. Biggest threat to our purity is not pornography as I mentioned. It's a passive attitude toward God. Don't park your life in the garage of your doctrinal beliefs. Pursue God. The Bible says in Galatians 5 16 it says walk in the Holy Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. When I pursue God, uh, lusts don't disappear. What disappears is the need to fulfill that lust. A lust is an athlete's foot. If you have an athlete's foot, it scratches, it scratches, and it says this to you. If you, it itches, it says, if you scratch me, I stop itching. So you go, you scratch it, and it itches more. That's what lust is. Lust is an athlete's foot. It, it itches, asks for you to scratch it, and when you scratch it, it says, I won't itch anymore. And then it itches more. And God says, if you pursue after me, it's not that the itching goes away. is I give you the power not to scratch it. And then it goes away because you stop scratching it. And why do you have the power not to scratch it? Because when you walk in the Holy Spirit, meaning I run after God. God doesn't say I kill the lust. God says I give you the strength not to scratch what is itching. See some of you, you are in trouble right now because you've been scratching something. It's bleeding now. It's bleeding now. Relationships are bleeding right now. Your, your, your humility, your walk with God is bleeding. Because that thing told you, if you scratch it, I will leave you alone. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Your lust will never leave you alone. And God says, if you run after me, I'm not going to remove the itching. But I will give you the power not to scratch it. Touch your neighbor and say, stop scratching it. Stop scratching that itch. Come on, somebody. That boyfriend is that itch. Leave him alone. That dude is that itch. Remove him from your contacts. Stop DMing him. He's asking you for sending the nudes and everything. Listen, send him scriptures and say, Home Slice, we are not on the same path. I am not going to scratch that itch. But lad, you don't understand. I am so lonely. Get a dog. But I am so bored. Somebody message me goodness gracious it's an itch it'll you'll bleed to death if you scratch it it will never go away because you scratch it but if you run after God he'll give you the power not to scratch can somebody say amen Paul says pursue but he first started with 2nd Timothy chapter 2 verse 22 it says flee the second thing I want you to write down if you are taking notes, the second point. And we are not called to fight lust, but to flee it. We are not called to fight lust, but to flee lust. Apostle Paul in his wisdom from God does not tell teenagers and young people to fight lust. I had so many times young men especially come and say things like, Pastor Vlad, pray for me. And 95% I can, without prophetic accuracy, can know already what they're asking about. <laughs> I'm like, lust? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and this is how they start with that thing. Say, Pastor, will I pray for me? And I said, what, what is that prayer for? And he says, i just been fighting lust. I said, stop. That's your problem. 
He said, what do you mean that's my problem? Isn't what the Bible says? I said, find me one verse where the Bible says to fight lust. I do see verses where the Bible says to fight the devil. But lust, we don't fight, we flee. Because lust is stronger than the devil. You can beat the devil. You don't beat lust. That's why Joseph didn't fight lust. He ran. The only way you win over lust is by running. You may say, but I'm a coward. That's the only way you're victorious. <laughs> lust is the only battle. If you get in a battle with, God says, I can't help you. You can't simply walk in the mall and pray for God to give Victoria, who happens to have no secrets, clothing of righteousness. You got to move your head. You can't simply stuff comes up on a computer and say, Father God, I just sanctify these women. I pray for their purity. No, 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 brother. You got to run from that. And 50 shades of stoop, I mean 50 shades of whatever, it's not going to turn to 50 shades of grace because you picked it up. There's no way that's going to happen. You're just going to have to walk away from it. And so Paul says to Timothy, he says, flee lust. See, the problem with us is that many of us, what we like to do is we're like, well, you know, yeah, okay, okay. I'm not going to fight lust a lot, but I'm going to flirt with it. Why? Because many of us, instead of fleeing lust, we flirt with it. And why do we flirt with it? Because it's not sinful. It's like the guy who was looking for a chariot rider for his family and uh, he had three candidates. The first candidate, he took him to a cliff really close and wanted to see their char chariot riding skills. And the first person rode the chariot very close to the cliff. Everybody's like, <gasps> wow. Everybody applauded. The second person rode the chariot so close that one wheel was actually off the cliff, but the chariot still didn't fall off. Everybody's like heart went into their feet. They were so scared because he was so pro driving on the edge. The third guy got into the chariot. He drove as far from the cliff as possible. Why? He says, I'm scared of heights. And the guy took the third guy. He says, I want guy who ride my family to be scared of heights, not playing games with riding on the edge. See, many of us, the problem why we don't flee lust is because we're too busy entertaining the question, how close can I get to the edge without falling? Come on. How many times we get the same question asked all the time? Pastor Vlad, is it wrong? In other words, we're asking is this, how close to hell can I get without going there? I mean, I know that it's a sin to commit adultery. But imagine if I would come to my wife and say, babe, I know that sexual intercourse is like sin. That's like the line. But babe, how close can I get to another woman before you consider that an adultery? How many of you know that my face will be disfigured? <laughs> a husband, if you come and ask your wife, say, hey, babe, I have a co-worker. I mean, is, is holding hands in the park, it, I mean, that's not an adultery. But how close can I get kissing her goodnight? How close your wife will snap your neck. And me and make you be Jesus. Because she will say, why in the world are you not asking a question of how close you can get to me that you don't have to ask those dumb questions. So instead of asking how close can I get, we should be asking how far we can stay away. Because flirting with lust is the first sign that you're not fleeing it. Flirting with lust is the first step before you fall into temptation. And that's why when Potiphar's wife was looking at Joseph and said, Hey, Joseph, did you see my picture on Instagram? Do you like it? 
I noticed you didn't like it. Why? I remember Joseph had no pastor, had no Bible, had no church, and had no Ten Commandments. And Joseph had a death certificate hanging in his father's house. And Joseph was lonely. Joseph was hot. And Joseph was also very desperate because Joseph was a guy. And this was a good reason to say, you know what, you know what, uh, nobody loves me. Uh, I deserve, just, just I mean, I, I'll go on a date with her. <laughs> you know, I'll witness to her. Never witness to people you're tempted by. Because both of you are going to hell. <laughs> both. <laughs> Joseph knew, I walk with God, God's gifts are operating in my life. But if me and this chica are going on the witnessing trail, I'm going to lose my salvation. I'm going to lose my relationship with God. And what happened is the next time that she came in, the Bible says continuously, she's tempting him, tempting him. And one time came in and the girl grabbed him. And Joseph did not stay the father in the mighty name of Jesus. He did not pray. He did not rebuke. He didn't declare. He didn't decree. He didn't fast. The only thing that Joseph did is he ran. That tells me that as a person, I have to be a person who doesn't ask, how close can I get to sin? I have to ask myself, how close I can stay with the Holy Spirit that I don't even desire or get further and further from the Lord. I love what Joseph called it. When she grabbed him and she says uh, sleep with me Joseph says how can I do this great what did he say wickedness <laughs> it's funny not having a bible he did not see sexual sin as a weakness as our generation sees it I, I have a weakness pastor no 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 my friend watching porn is not a weakness weakness is if you can bench 200 pounds that's a weakness Weakness is if uh, you can't lift. That's a weakness. Weakness is not masturbating. That's wickedness. Weakness is not, well, I, I have a weakness. I sleep with my girlfriend all the time. And I just, I just, my friend, Joseph did not call sexual sin a weakness. And that was before Ten Commandments. He says, how can I do this great wickedness? You may say, what difference does it make how I label it? Well, it makes a big difference. Because if you come to your doctor and you says you have a headache, he'll give you a different medicine. If you come and you say you have cancer, if you come to God and you say, God, I have a weakness, God will say, work on it. But if you come to God and say, God, I have a weakness, God says, repent, you fool. Big difference. You can't come to God and say, God, it's just a weakness. No, no, my friend, that is not a weakness. That's a wickedness. They need to be repented from. They need to be renounced from. Then we need to seek God's mercy from. And we need to run from. Can somebody say Amen. I just want to challenge you, flee lust. If you're battling with it, that is your problem. God doesn't give you anointing to fight. God gives you anointing to run. And if you learn to run and say, God, help me to run after you so I run from everything that is not of you. And then you will find purity in your life. Purity is not accomplished without running after God. And purity is not accomplished without running from certain things. Sometimes it's trigger points, things that stimulate lustful passions. For some people it could be their phone. For some people it could be certain websites. For some people it could be certain people or certain places. And if you notice that that is stimulating something inside of you, the Bible says run from it. My friend, you can survive without TikTok. You can. Jesus did. He did just fine. And if for a season you need to turn off the Snapchat, my friend, you will not die. You will be finding that you have more time to do something with your life. You can make it without Netflix. 
You can. Trust me. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ. You can do it without Netflix. If you find that TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram or Netflix, they stimulate lustful passions. Disconnect from that. But you say, but Vlad, there's so many good shows that you're not watching there. But there's so many good things on TikTok that you're not doing. Jesus says if your hand causes you to sin, he didn't say, oh, but it still does so many good things. I can't cut it. Why? Because on some good days, it does good things. The problem is the bad days that does bad things. And Jesus says, you're going to have to forget about the good things and have to cut it off. He didn't say for somebody to cut it off. He says for you to cut it off. That means that he need to endure discipline of fleeing, disconnecting, removing good things. Just because, unfortunately for you, they become a trap for bad things. Do not justify it and say, but on a good day. Listen, if you had the bad day with that thing, that thing needs to be cut off. Instead of coming to the prayer and say, pastor, deliver me, you need to remove a hand. Meaning remove some kind of a trigger point. Remove some kind of a thing because God cannot deliver you if you don't discipline yourself in that area by fleeing lust. Can somebody say amen? Pursuing purity. I want to be very practical with you. I'm not sharing just theories. I'm sharing, I want to share with you very practical from the teachings of Apostle Paul. And I want you to see the last thing. Paul says this, that we pursue purity. is not a point that I reach. It's a constant pursuit after God. And if I reach certain freedom but I'm not pursuing God, I'm not walking in purity. The second thing we see from Apostle Paul, he says to flee. It doesn't say to fight lust. He says to flee lust. Run away from it. Don't fight it. Just run from it. Disconnect yourself from things that trigger sexual stimulations and things that are not pleasing to God. But I want you to notice one thing. Would you be kind to put us that verse one more time? Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 22 please. It says, flee also youthful lust but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. What, what is this? Can you say that out loud? Can you say that out loud? Can you say it one more time? For the sake of your neighbor, one more time. I want you to see this. Paul is saying purity only happens with meaning in community not in a vacuum young person cannot walk in purity on their own with your homies your cronies your squad your gang your crew your clique with that means you cannot walk in purity permanently if you don't have your with who are your with with those who call not those who have a lot of followers on instagram not those who have a bmw that they took from their mom not those who use their parents credit card to shop and therefore they look cool in school not those who simply they're so hot listen hell is hot too you don't want to go there. Not those who the culture reveres. But Paul says this, if you really want to walk in purity, remember it's a pursuit, it's not a point. Remember there are things you need to run from, not fight. And then he says, remember you cannot do it alone. You have to, Timothy, find your with. Because your tribe creates your vibe. Your crowd will create a cloud over your life. Who you hang out with will create a spiritual atmosphere over you. Most of us in here today who fell first time we drunk, we did not drink on our own. 
the first time you use drugs it was because there was someone there who used drugs and they influenced you friends have this thing that your parents sometimes don't is friends have influence word influence in it has three letter words because flu in flu you know how flu works you catch it flu works like this sorry camera people you don't go to a class to get a flu the teacher doesn't get up and say, let me teach you about the flu. Point one, point two, point three. Receive the flu. No. You hang out with people who have it and you catch it. They don't even have to impart it to you. Say, I impart the spirit of flu. No. <coughs> they cough. You're in their atmosphere. Next to it happened, you're coughing too. Same thing happens with cussing. You catch it. At first, your ears hurt from the F-bombs. After that, they stop hurting. And then you notice you think F-bombs and then they come out. Same thing you catch with smoking. Same thing you catch with drinking. Same thing you catch with homosexual perspective on the homosexuality. Same thing you catch about abortion, your view about that. You catch it because people have a flu and because they have influence over you, you catch what they carry. So Paul, Paul is saying to the young Timothy, he says, be careful who you flew with. Be careful who has influ over you. Be careful what they carry. Because if they carry a flu of alcohol and five of them are around you, Timothy, you are going to become a sipping saint. Slipping saint. Tripping saint. You're going to lose it, Timothy. That's why you have to. Yes, you're running. Yes, you're running after God. Yes, you're running from us. But Timothy, please understand, as a young person, you are susceptible to the influence of your peers more than your mentors and your pastors. Watch who you're running with. But Timothy, he's an elder in the church. But Timothy, he's a leader in the church. Who cares what position you have? Because the position doesn't guarantee huge influence. What does is your homies. What does is your friends. What does is who you with. Who you with. What are they? Which flu are your friends carrying? That you're saying, no, no, I'm not going to get it. And then, <coughs> how did that got on you? I don't know. Because you don't, you catch it by being around people who have it. No wonder the Bible says that bad company does what? That means your morals that are established by your parents can be destroyed by who? People with the flu. That's why I tell parents, don't pray for your kids. Pray for your parents. Pray for your kids' friends. If your kids have good friends, your kids will be good. Now I understand some of you are spiritual junkies here. You're like, Pastor Dad, this is all God, but you have to understand. God called me to be a light of this world. I'm going to all the clubs because just God just, just God, I just I got delivered from there like Moses to Egypt. I'm just going back to the clubs. I just want to save the world, Pastor Dad. I respect you, bro. But I'm going to tell you one thing is that you've been in the Lord, what, two weeks? The people you're trying to reach have been in drugs for, what, 20 years? Now do the math. Who's deeper 
in their stuff. Of course they are. You may say, but God is stronger. I didn't say who is stronger. Who is stronger in their stuff? Are you stronger in God that they are in drugs? No, you're not. And therefore, in spite of the fact that God is stronger, they will pull you back into drugs. You will not pull them back into God. Why? Because your commitment to God, for crying out loud, you're sleeping through your morning prayers. Your commitment with God is not grounded yet. I'm not saying not to be friendly with those people, not to be a light. I'm saying you cannot immerse yourself into an environment where you are tempted by. You cannot immerse yourself into an environment where your own roots are not deepened yet. That's why you got to develop close relations with people who can establish you. Otherwise you will go there and you will lose yourself. I've been in youth ministry and I could tell you but there was one example of one guy who got saved. His name is Mitchell Campbell. He became a friend of mine. He got saved from drugs. Became fire evangelist. We would pray a Friday night prayer and then he would go after night prayer we would end night prayer like at two in the morning and he would go to the clubs to evangelize. Like I was like bro two o'clock in the morning I'm going to sleep. I'm like Jesus is gonna save those people and he would make me feel bad. He's like what kind of a pastor are you? You're not going to evangelize to the clubs and I was like man I'm tired. We prayed for four hours. I want to go to sleep and so he would go and evangelize. Everything was fine. He would win people to Christ. And one day he says, Vlad, I need to go win my mom to Christ. She lives in Seattle. We're three and a half hours from Seattle. There was just only one problem with his mom is that his mom was a prostitute and his mom also did drugs. And I said, bro, you can't go to Seattle on your own. Try to win your mom. I said, God has somebody in Seattle who's going to witness to your mom and will, will save your mom. Leave your mom alone. He's like, man, you don't care about my mom. I was like, no, I care about you and your mom. And so he, he shamed me. I was very young so I did not know better and I was like, man, I felt so horrible. I'm like, man, oh my gosh, I'm trying to keep his mom away from heaven. And so he, he, he left to Seattle to, for three days to visit his mom. Now there's nothing wrong with going seeing your mom unless she's a prostitute and doing drugs and that's what you got delivered from three months ago. So he goes in the first day, yeah, he did evangelize to his mom. The second day she evangelized to him. The third day he got drunk. And well, a week later, he was back in drugs. He came back to Tri-Cities. He repented only to go back to drugs two days later. He went back to drugs again, went back to drugs. Then he went, got a kid, thinking that if he gets a kid, it will keep him away from drugs. Kids are not deliverance. Jesus only delivers from drugs, not kids. He got a second kid. And next thing that happens is he did so much drugs that they damaged his brain. He became mental. He started to hear voices. One, one time he undressed himself. At two in the morning he walked in the park completely naked screaming Jesus is God. They arrested him. They put him in a hospital. They put him on some medications and then they, they brought him to jail. The problem is the hospital made a mistake by not transferring his medical history to jail and at night he uh, had an epileptic seizure where he beat his head in the concrete and died in jail. I did his funeral where his mom was and I preached the gospel. But honestly, that incident would have never happened if he would realize that you cannot go back to some of those places until you ground in Christ. My friends, I am a big, I'm big on evangelist. I'm big on evangelism. But I got to tell you, Paul has a point here when he says you cannot run your race unless you got somebody to run with. Can I ask you a question? Who is your accountability partner? Whose home group do you go to? Who is your home group leader? Can I ask you your five friends? What do they do? Do they read the Bible? Do they fast or do they watch porn? 
What do they do? Do they sleep around? Do they send nudes or do they send scriptures? What do they do? Because those five people, you might say, oh, but I'm not going to do what they do. My friend, they got a flu. Don't walk around and say, it's like a person who says, my, my, my immune system is strong. All of my friends can have a flu. It will never get to me. Are you sure? You want to take the gamble? Because Apostle Paul says that's not going to happen. He says what they have will get on you. I just want to challenge you. Change your friends. Oh, but they will, they will cry. Really? If they're not serving Jesus and they will get offended, I'd rather have them being offended than Jesus. Can I remind you, who put Jesus on the cross? It was a friend. Be careful who your friends are. They can crucify your life if you let them. Your friends, not your enemies. In the conclusion, remember how we talked about, we started talking about the vessels? How your vessel, your container is the outside, your body. How God fashioned you. The content is the purity. I want to bring this message to a close. If, if I can have somebody to come on the, on the piano. Usually makes things sound just a little bit more spiritual for the last few minutes. Thank you. I have in here two cups. The Lord gave me this word during worship. I know there's people here that this is for you. What I'm about to end this message on. I have one cup from your wonderful coffee shop. It already got cold. Warm, warm, but it's still very drinkable. When I finish drinking this cup, this coffee in the cup, the cup is going to be stained. It will have brown stuff on it. Not usable again very rude to use it again for someone else so what I do with typically with this cup I mean what do you usually do with paper cups how many of you actually wash them okay that's cheap that's <laughs> okay so nobody but even if you do you're a little bit on the other side crazy side that's and that's that's fine but typically normal average people do not wash paper cups if they get dirty too bad for that cup. You're finished. You're done. If you get coffee in this cup and it gets dirty, how many of you throw it away? Nobody. What do you do with the one that gets dirty? You put it in the dishwasher. What if you put it in the dishwasher, you, you see it out and there are still some stains, your makeup. You put it back into the washer. You're like, you're going again. You're going to come out clean. I heard the Holy Spirit say during worship today, you're not paper cup. When you get dirty, God doesn't throw you away. He has a washing machine. It's called his blood. It's called the cross. Even if the stains are so permanent that they brought consequences you can't get rid of even if the stain is so permanent that everybody knows about it 
and it will never go away. God does not see you as a paper cup. Even if your stain brought a sexually transmitted disease, you're not a paper cup. You don't get disposed the first time you get stained. God still has a plan for you. And His plan is not to use you, but to purify you. And He's not afraid by the stains, the lipstick, and all the other stuff you accumulated because of what you've been to. His washing machine has very good percentage rate of cleansing. When the first time I was exposed to pornography, I felt the dirt. I felt the guilt and the shame. I quickly realized that the devil did not, devil's goal wasn't for me to look at pornography. The devil's goal was to use pornography for me to live in guilt. Because pornography lasted five minutes. Guilt lasted five days. It was through guilt he stained my life. Through guilt he made me feel worthless. Through guilt I felt like a paper cup. Each time I fell into sin as a 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 and 18 years of age. I was already in youth ministry and I fell into pornography at least once in two months. The shame and the guilt that I felt. The biggest thing is knowing that God doesn't like it. God hates it. And every time I felt like God is going to throw me in the garbage. But if, if I learned one thing is that I'm not a paper cup. If I would be a paper cup when Adam committed sin, God wouldn't send the son. He would send an angel to clean up the mess. He sent his son to set up on earth a washing machine that anytime people fall, even if it's in the same sin, and they cannot get free on their own, and they went and they got accountability. They went and they repented. They went and they got this and they got this. But they still find themselves falling. God says, I don't throw you away because you're not a paper cup. I'm going to wash you. See, some of you think you treat this better than God treats you. You treat this better than you think God treats you. This doesn't have a heart. This is not made in your image and likeness. Yet when this gets dirty, you wash it. You don't throw it away. But somehow you think because you got dirty, God will throw you away. God will throw the dreams and the prophetic words He's given you away because you are now too dirty. My friend, you hold more, more value in the eyes of God than a ceramic cup in your house. God loves you too much to let you stay dirty, but He loves you also too much to be, have you be thrown away. I would go to my pastor every single time that I would fall into pornography. I would run to him sometimes at 11 o'clock, at 12 o'clock at night. I would ask him to pray for me. He would pray for me. He would remind me of God's love. He would remind me to keep praying and fasting. He would remind me to keep fleeing. He would remind me to keep fighting. We would pray together only two months later to find myself in the same shame and guilt and being convinced that God will never use a guy like me because I fell into the same sin, a sin that I knew not to do. I'm going to tell you one thing today, standing here, I'm not perfect. I have had this cup stain more than I'm proud to admit. But I've been in the washing machine of God's love as a teenager. My pastor showed me, my pastor would put me in that washing machine and turn on that program. And help me to be reminded of the power of the blood because I knew the power of my sin. He reminded me of the power of his blood. 
he would remind me that it would wash me and that after I walk from that encounter with my pastor that God can use me again I said pastor God cannot use me I was staying he says how long do you wait for the cup before you use it again I said sometimes I use it right away he says God will do the same he said God still loves you and God will still use you I'm like pastor but what if I fall into that again what if I fall into that again he says what if this cup gets dirty again you know it's gonna get dirty you're still gonna use it and you're gonna still wash it he said this is not an excuse to sin this is power to overcome sin and by God's grace one after another see my shame and guilt did not mean that God didn't love me and I wasn't a Christian shame and guilt actually signified that I was a Christian because only pigs play in the mud sheeps cry in the mud if you cry in your guilt that means you're not a pig it means you're not indifferent it means something in you cries for holiness and purity something in, in you says God I don't want like this I hate it I don't know what to do about it God but I don't want like this and God sees that I want to tell you if you run to the altar if you run to God God will put you in the washing machine of his blood he will purify you he will cleanse you and he will make you a vessel of honor and a vessel of purity by God's grace yes I was a virgin but emotionally I wasn't I was unclean but through the blood of Jesus about 18 years of age God delivered me from that bondage God cleansed me it doesn't mean that I didn't have other temptations and then that problem that used to be there stopped being there and then I learned that I must pursue God continuously because otherwise the devil's gonna find some other problems to stay in my life with but you know when I married my beautiful wife and I have the permission to share this from her she was not a virgin she was a pastor's daughter grew up in one of the largest cities in the world in Moscow I'm from Ukraine she's from Moscow at a young age she walked away from Christ she still came to church because in her school she was bullied for being a Christian and she gave in to the pressure of her ungodly friends and she started to smoke weed she started to party she started to drink and then she started to become sexually active involved with other men with with other boys and going to clubs and all this stuff and then she came to the United States and at the young uh, at about 21 God encountered her she got saved but all of those teenage years she lived very loose and very moral life and see the church she grew up in was simply said that once you you blew it like that God will never use you God will never give you a good husband you will have to be settling for second best but she refused to believe in that in fact I was in one summer camp a youth pastor sat on the stage and he said I'm a virgin and and I told God I'll only marry a virgin I will never settle for second best I almost threw a microphone right at him because I know that guy watched porn he's only a virgin physically and so I'm like you, you can't say like that. I understand I'm, I was a virgin I respect that I think we need to pursue my friends virginity physical virginity but there is more to that I do know that I'm speaking in, in the room right now where people have blown it it happens in our generation and I'm not lowering the standard of God's grace what I'm simply saying to you right now is this is that when God washes you you don't become a person who blew it you become a new creation God restores you and God begins to give you a dream as though you never sinned before 
and my wife after she got saved and she says yes what happened in my past he says only I remember it God doesn't and she says I refuse to settle for just anybody I believe God's gonna send me a wonderful husband who who walked in purity and I know some of you can look at that and say you know what that is not fair that's what grace is about it's never fair it's also not fair for a righteous man to hang naked in Jerusalem and die for my sin that's not fair but because that was not fair because he died unfair death I can live an unfair life you can live an unfair life and when we got married you know God blessed her with me and God blessed her uh, me with her and her with me I look at her I don't see a person who lost who did those sins I told her one thing when we were dating when we get married I will never ever bring your past against you in any argument and if something will bother me about your past I will bring it up to you but never in an argument because I'll never bring up something God placed under his blood and under the cross and it's been 10 years and I never did that I just want to encourage somebody in this room today maybe you've been through a, a sexual accident a mistake or maybe you, you you lost your virginity you lost your purity and maybe today you feel like your ministry is over your future is over God will never use you God doesn't have a plan for your life because of what happened maybe somebody took advantage of you sexually and you feel violated you hate men you cannot stand and you're developing uh, same-sex attractions I'm here to tell you you don't have to live stained there is a washer machine God says there is room God says my blood is powerful it does cleanse even the abuse it does cleanse even homosexual tendencies it does cleanse even the gender confusion God's blood is strong enough if it cleansed these people it can cleanse you I see today people in our church who come from homosexual relationships who, who, who are set free who are washed and then who get married I see people who live the very immoral life but because of the blood God restores them and they become men of purity women of which virtue who get married and who have children people look at them and say that cannot be you you were in the club but see when God washes you you can be like Rahab and God restores your life and you become a woman of virtue you become a man of righteousness and a man of holiness I want to encourage you today there is power in the blood this can be washed God is not going to throw, throw you away. The devil is a liar. He lied to you and he said you're a paper cup. If you're a paper cup, God would never send his son. You're a cup that he will wash. I want you to rise. The worship team can come up. I want to call this generation tonight to purity. I'm not saying perfection. I'm saying purity. And that's why I shared my stories not to present myself as something that I'm better than other people but to present myself as the things the things that I had to go through the things that I that I went through but God's grace was sufficient if there's a hunger in you as you will listen to this message man I, I want to pursue God like that I want to pursue purity I have not been running away from things of this world I have some friends that they need to switch I need to pursue after God what I'm pursuing what I've been pursuing lately is just simply to become free from this and that but today I recognize I must pursue every eye closed every head bowed there are also people in this room today that you despise your container in fact you hate your body you hate the way God made you 
You compare yourself to other people and because of that you're not willing to focus on the content. You're not willing to fill yourself with anything because you're so busy despising the kind of vessel you became. You became full of negativity right now. You became full of depression, full of inferiority and God wants to change your focus tonight. God wants to redirect your focus from the pizza box to the pizza on the inside. There are those in this room today that you are struggling with some kind of an addiction. But I'm not going to call you just to pray so that you become free. My call is that you commit to pursue God in spite. And even after you get free, which you will be free, that you will continue to pursue after God even more, not less. So that you don't only run after God when you're addicted or you're bound or you're chained or you have some kind of a bondage, but you run after God even when you're free. There are some people in this room today, you're so tired of fighting lust and today you got a word from God. You just got to run from it. I don't know how that will look in your life, but I know God's going to reveal it and He will give you the strength. He's not going to remove the itching, but He will give you the power not to scratch it. There are those in this room today that your friends have to change. Your friends are the ones that are influencing you. You're, they're not listening to your music. They're not reading your Bible, but you are reading what they're reading. You are listening to what they're listening. It's the other way around. They're not influencing. They're influencing you, and that has to change today. God cannot deliver you if you don't remove some of those friends from your life. And then there's also those people in this room today. You feel like a useless cup. In fact, you feel in the garbage can already. You feel like a trash. You feel not good enough because of the things you've done. Maybe you did it willfully. Maybe you did it unknowingly. And today you are reminded that there's power in the blood and God wants to wash you. God wants to restore you. And God wants to forgive you. And God wants to accept your repentance. If in one of those five categories that I mentioned, you find yourself in, I'm going to ask you to quickly come out of your seat and I'm going to ask you to come and just stand right here and we're going to pray with you. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.